Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. So, happy Mother's Day. It's a good day. Uh, all of us have, have a mama, and I think that that is so fun when we think about our mothers and how they have poured into our lives. I think it's such a a sweet special day and uh, I always love Mother's Day. I write uh, my girls a Mother's Day note because I feel so blessed to be the mama and mother-in-law of four girls and um, it's just such a privilege to for me. I celebrate this day definitely. Uh, you think about the strong women that have been in your life. I've had so many strong women in my life. My mom is still living at 86, and <clears throat> yesterday uh, she was uh, st struggling with some words, and uh, so I told her I had just finished the Mother's Day sermon, and she tried to figure out what she needed to say, and so she said, you go, girl. <laughs> so that was my mom's blessing over me, and I always just treasure my mom's blessing. I've been taught by two very, very special mother-in-laws. Uh, one is with Jesus, and one is still my still here on earth teaching me uh, how to love your son's wife and uh, how to love your son's wife as your very own daughter. I have been definitely privileged with two precious mother-in-laws. have a daughter and three daughter-in-laws uh, who sh constantly uh, show me love and grace, forgiveness, and they are courageously, man, those girls are brave. They are strong. And I always tell them they're everything I'm not. And I'm so proud to be their mama and mother-in-law. I have a sister who continues. Thank you. That's our sermon. I have a sister uh, who constantly pushes me towards Jesus over and over and over again. She pushes me to know Jesus more and more and more, and it's just such a privilege with my sister. We do Bible study every single day, even though it's long distance, and uh, it's just very, very, very special. I have four sister-in-laws uh, that are forever demonstrating to me kindness, gentleness, hospitality. They have taught me so, so much about how to love the world gently as they go about their lives. <laughs> And then I have all you ladies who cheer me on, pray for me, help me, work alongside me, befriend me, advise me. And some of you just act silly with me, which is my favorite. I have all of you. I look at my one of my favorite party girls out there. How many silly things have we done in our lives? So I think, what do we have to be thankful for? It just goes on and on as we think about Mother's Day and how women have impacted our lives. Have you ever thought about just how many people have been a part of your spiritual journey? Just how many people, I was, was telling Brian, if you started trying to count all the people, it just goes on and on, men and women, friends, the different people that have poured into your spiritual journey. Uh, think about, again, all the people that you are pouring into or have poured into 
spiritually in their journey. Can you think of those people? How many people have been watching you and have been seeing your life? Who are the people who taught you to follow Jesus? Who are the people you are teaching to follow Jesus? Joshua took a look. Joshua in the Old Testament uh, <clears throat> was Moses' young assistant, so faithful to God's calling on, over his life. In Joshua 24, 15, Joshua declared to the Israelites, but as for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. He makes a declaration for himself <clears throat> over his whole family. The impact of Joshua's leadership was that people of Israel would continue to live faithfully, serving God, even after his death. In Joshua 24, 31, it says, The people of Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the elders who outlived him, those who personally experienced all that the Lord had done for Israel. So the people that had walked with Joshua continued serving, serving Jesus, I mean serving God after Joshua had passed away. However, this is the however, if you're reading the Old Testament, it, it actually breaks your heart over and over and over again. The passing on of faith broke down after that generation died. Somewhere along the way, parents failed to instruct their children, and the community failed to honor God. <clears throat> Just a few verses over, uh, very few verses, next chapter, it tells us in Judges 2.10, after that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. We can never, ever, ever assume that our faithfulness to God is going to pass on to the next generation. We can't assume it's going to go to our children. We can't just assume it's going to our grandchildren. I have 12 grandchildren. What is my role with those 12 grandchildren to know Jesus? How do I continue this for generations to come that they would learn that Jesus is our all in all? Every generation has to be taught who God is and what he's doing and who he wants to be in their life. When Peter, the uh, disciple Peter, first preached the good news of Jesus after Jesus had ascended into heaven, he said in Acts 2.39, this promise is to you and to whom? To your children. It's not just to me, it's to my children and to my grandchildren and to those, that's the far away, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. This promise is for me, is for you, is for our children, is for our grandchildren. One day I hope to see great-grandchildren great standing up and serving Jesus. Parents play such a huge role in the development of faith in the lives of our children. It's probably the, our greatest calling, I would think, is that we pass this on. I have always said that I, to God, beg God, as we followed him as missionaries. 1987, I was appointed as a, a missionary to Burkina Faso and had three children at that stage. And I told God, please, as I go out, to share you with a lost world. Don't lose my children along the way. I ask God, hold my children in this faith. Carry my children through and keep them close to you. I don't know if there's any greater joy as a parent 
than seeing our children serve Jesus. The greatest moments in my life were sitting with my four children one by one and them asking Jesus to be their Savior. What a special, special time. What excitement it is to know that the tradition of faith, this that we believe in, will pass down to the next generation. There's many examples of the tradition of faith, the following of God in the Old Testament. God calls himself the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which represents three generations. In the New Testament, there's another example of three generations of faith that we see in the lives of Lois, Eunice, and Timothy. If you search through the scriptures, there's not much there. And in fact, it's hard to discover who Lois and Eunice are because their names are mentioned one time in connection to the life of Timothy. How did they shape his life? When you search for him, you have to find and don't miss the great Timothy had these women standing behind him. In 2 Timothy 1.5, the one time you see their names, I remember your genuine faith. This is Paul's letter to Timothy. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I know that same faith continues strong in you. What a verse. You could miss it, but what a verse. That same faith that was in Lois and Eunice was found in Timothy. Timothy goes on to be one of the greatest disciples of Jesus, and he even uh, dies a martyr's death. He follows Jesus to the end and dies for him. You simply, When we simply follow what's written here, it implies that Lois first came to know Jesus. And then she showed Jesus to Eunice, and then these two ladies were responsible for the faith being passed on to Timothy. We don't know exactly <clears throat> when they came to know the Lord, when they were converted, but many speculate it was during a time when Paul and Barnabas were on a missionary journey through Lystra and Derby. Uh, Lois and Eunice uh, were there, and then Eunice was actually a Jewish believer married to a Greek man. It tells us that in Acts 16.1. So Timothy was raised by a Jewish mom, believer, and then a Greek father. Paul was first to Derby, then to Lystra, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was Greek. Even though they don't know exactly when Timothy was saved, we know he was saved at a very young age. I get asked that so often. How old do you have to be to come to Jesus? How old? It's when Jesus starts calling you to himself. How old is that? I sat with a little girl Friday night talking to her again about this calling that God is developing in her heart. Her parents say they think she might be too young. She's 10. And that's what I said. She's 10. She understands right and wrong. God's calling her to himself. In 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 15, it says, But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the holy scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. It was Eunice and Lois that taught Timothy from the moment he was born. I think about that. I was saying to my mom and dad, so just this past week, 
on May the 10th was my Christian birthday from uh, 59 years ago. 59 years ago, I asked Jesus to be my Savior. I can remember it like it was yesterday. I remember so many details of that day. And so I think about just turning six, but I knew I needed a Savior. I don't have a time from birth to then that that was not preparation for that day. My parents were teaching me about Jesus. I was a part of a church fellowship. I had adults like in this church loving me to Jesus. So it was an easy transition. Why wouldn't I choose Jesus at a young age? So we see Timothy doing the same with Lois and Eunice, teaching him from the second he's born who Jesus is. In addition, as a young believer, Timothy traveled around with Paul. So he started having that mentorship, traveled on his missionary journeys, and eventually Timothy becomes a pastor in the church of Ephesus. When you consider a faith like Eunice's and Lois's, what about their faith made it so powerful? What passed it on to Timothy? The answer, looking back at 2 Timothy 1.5, is found there. I remember your genuine faith. Their faith was genuine. It was easy to spot. Genuine means without hypocrisy, sincere, something that people could actually look at and say, I see this in you. You hear that word, genuine, means you can trust it. It's what they live. It's what they speak. When people model genuine faith, other people actually take notice. When you watch somebody walk with Jesus in the good days and the bad days, we take notice. We, we see how they walk through these different days, and we pay attention to this. If we can walk genuinely with God, hopefully other people will be inspired to find out who is this Jesus that you are serving. I'll never forget one time when our son Jeremy had come back for a summer. Uh, he was in university. He got on one of the club basketball teams, and uh, it was our winter, his summer. And a young man on the team eventually asked him, what is wrong with you? You never say a swear word. You never get angry. You just play basketball. What's the difference in you? That young man came to know Jesus. It was amazing that Jeremy, just by not swearing, not losing his temper, was shining Jesus to a basketball team. There's two lessons we can learn from Lois and Eunice <clears throat> that are critical to our passing down our faith to our children. We have to teach them what we believe. Very purposely teach our children what we believe and teach other people's children what we believe. YWAP's in its 25th year. For 25 years, we have had the privilege of teaching other people's children how wonderful our Jesus is. We teach what we believe. In Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, I love these verses. These are some of my favorites. <clears throat> Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames, on your houses, and on your gates. 
How often are we supposed to be dealing with our faith? All the time. It should be a part of every day. It should be something we are constantly talking about, that we have reminders everywhere. Do you have reminders everywhere that you love Jesus? All over the place? I stick them everywhere. I have reminders everywhere of how to be praying for someone, that I get called back. I have told you I have a, an angel that Shane gave me years ago for a Christmas ornament, and then she gave me another one the next year that said joy. So I stuck joy on the angel, and it hangs in my car and flaps around. And it reminds me, I choose joy. I choose the joy of the Lord because that is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I choose it. I choose to put scripture everywhere. I write notes. I have notes on my bathroom mirror. I'm about to not have a bathroom mirror because I have notes all over there to be praying for different people. I have scripture up in different places. I wear things to tell myself, you belong to Jesus, don't forget it. Do you have reminders everywhere that are making you turn to God, but then you teach about what these mean to you? Are you telling people? about Jesus? Are you passing this along? And you know, I, you hear people say that speak Jesus through your life. I believe that. I believe our lives need to show Jesus. Very much so I do. But I also know that we have to say why we're different. Have y'all ever met a wonderful, wonderful person who doesn't love Jesus? I have. I've known quite a few of them. They're wonderful. In fact, I even say to them, Man, you're amazing. You really need Jesus. You're so awesome. You're the kind of person that really needs Jesus. I've said that to people before. So if I do not say why I'm this way to someone, what makes me different from this other wonderful person who doesn't love Jesus? I have to say, this is the reason that I walk forward each day. This is the reason some days I get out of bed. It's because I love Jesus. This is the reason that I fulfill day after day after day what God calls me to do. This is the reason I remain faithful. This is the reason that I hold on to hope. This is not my home. I say that all the time. This isn't my final landing. I'm going to be in heaven one day. I cannot wait. This is the reason for what I do. Clearly, we have to be teaching over and over again by examples. I know I've told you this, but one time I had on one of my Christian t-shirts, and we were, Casey, my daughter Casey's very strong young lady, and uh, everything I'm not, this child. And so we're in the car, and I got my blinker on to turn into a parking lot, a parking space, waiting for the car to pull out. And as the car pulls out this way, so I'm waiting to turn in, Another car just whips right in. Casey starts yelling. I mean, she's going berserko. So I just pull and just go to find another place. Casey's going, I can't believe they've done that. That's so rude. And so we get out of the car and we start walking. Casey goes, there they are. There they are right there. I'm going to tell them how rude they are. I said, Case, I have my Jesus shirt on. Not now. We're wearing our Jesus shirts. People are watching us. Not now. We've got our Jesus shirt on. Also, live what you believe. 
As important as it was for Lois and Eunice to teach Timothy, it was of equal importance that they truly lived out what they believed. You know that adage, do as I say, not as I do? That's not what this is talking about. Just the opposite. Let us act like Jesus. I was watching Rachel here. standing right in front of, uh, right by Helena as Helena's singing. Helena's singing raises her hand. So, so does Rachel as she stands right here. She raises her hand. They're watching. They're mimicking. They're trying this on. They might even act like you act with Jesus. They try it on. Does this work for me? They mimic everything. When Jeremy was very, very small, he was probably about three years old, I found him sitting in a chair with his little Gideon Bible upside down. He's just sitting there like this. I said, hey, Jer, what are you doing? He said, I'm going to stare at this Bible till I can read it like Daddy does. Mimicking what we do. Do they see us living out our faith? Passing our faith begins at home in our spiritual practices. Begins at praying with our kids. Do you pray with your children? Is that a common thing? One of my favorite things now is when I tell my children something on the phone and they say, let me pray for you, Mom. And they pray. They pray on the phone for me. Why do they do that? Because I have always prayed for them. And so it is one of my sweetest moments with my children when they say, oh, Mom, let me just pray for you right now and they start praying. We cannot expect our children and grandchildren to imitate a faith that they don't see us living out. They're not going to do it. It's critical that we profess our faith with our mouth and with our actions. Especially true um, for kids because they can spot insincerity. They can spot that you say one thing and do another, especially teenagers. They're really good at spotting our inconsistencies. Have y'all noticed that? They're very, very good at that. So live a life that joins the two together. The most important thing when it comes to a legacy of faith passing on, do you love Jesus with all your heart? Start there. Is he your everything? Is he worth sharing? I was doing a survey yesterday that was talking about my company. One of the questions was, would you tell people that this is a good company to join? Hmm, I pondered. Would you tell people this is a good Jesus to follow? Do you have a story, a God story, that when you think of it, you go, yeah, he's my everything. Is he a part of your every day? It's a responsibility, though, of all of us to be teaching our children about Jesus. It's a responsibility, grandparents, parents, New Song Family Church, it's our responsibility. It takes actually a whole community to raise a child to love Jesus with all their heart. Recent studies show that for a teen's teen's faith to be solid into adulthood, a young person needs five significant relationships of believers involved in their lives. Five significant, and basically it's talking about adults. Uh, One, of course, are their parents. Number two would be a youth pastor or pastor that's involved in their life, that know them very well. But they need three more. I see us in our church as the three more. 
I see that it is so important that as our children are growing in this church, that you and I are loving them, that we're getting to know them, we're hearing their stories, that we are a part of their lives. I think that's what this church does so well. When I was a child, my church loved me like I was theirs. I've always wanted this church to love people like they belong to them, and you do. You do such a beautiful job of loving each other. I look at our church family, and I see that some of you are part of a school leadership group. Some of you are the head girl. Some of you are SMC, SRC. You're the leaders. You're loving the next generation to Jesus. I look at some of our teenagers that come to the younger youth, and they love the next generation. They come every single week. Rainier and Jen and, and Walmer come. Carl comes. Anatita comes. They come every week and love this next generation of children. Then I have these adults. I don't know why they keep doing it, but they are amazing. They show up on Friday nights. Shaston and Cindy, Rob and Gail, Karen and Callum, and Nika. They come and they serve and they love and they think these kids are funny and laugh at them. Give them a hug. Tell them they're stupid and stop doing that. They do all those kind of things. They pour into these children's lives. I look around just at, at here and I watch just uh, as Melanie was dropping off her children, Jake and, and uh, Gabby, her little ones had to come out to go hug Anatita, who's not their sister, but had to get out. They had to give Anatita a hug. How special is this church loving the next generation? You, do you pick an, a young person each Sunday to talk to? You ought to start trying it. Get a story from a young person every Sunday. I love talking to Jonathan personally because some days he won't talk to me and it's a challenge to get him to talk to me. Now that he speaks English, he talks to me more. But I love listening to Jonathan's stories. Have you talked to Jonathan? I love listening to all these children. I love listening to Abraham and Linda tell me about their tennis. I love listening to my girls over here about their gymnastics and who they love teaching. I love these stories. I love these girls up here that love to ride bikes and don't mind being cold and don't mind having weird tans. I love their stories. <laughs> I love this these two girls back here that bring me coffee every Sunday to make sure that I get a cup of coffee even if I don't get downstairs. I love these children. These are your children. Do you know them? Are they getting to see Jesus in your life? You do so well. Even if you don't know them, speak to them. Start getting to know them. Probably after three times, you might remember their names, maybe. But children, be patient. We're old. So just be patient if we ask you your name again. But love our children. Timothy is an example of what God can do in the life of a young person who's being encouraged by his family and mentored by a godly leader. This takes work from all of us. This takes work from grandparents, parents, and New Song Family Church. Grown children are watching your lives too. You have grown children? A lot of us do. And they are still watching. 
and they are still needing to be mentored by us. I tell myself all the time when I'm dealing with my grown children, my oldest now is 42, I think. He doesn't think he needs a mama. He does. And I have to say to myself all the time, I'm the adult with all these children of mine, eight children, four, four of my own and four that we married in. I'm the adult. And I remind myself that all the time. I can forgive. I can do the right thing. I can quit being hurt. I can act like the adult today. How do we show our adult children that we have a great and mighty God? It's because we love them with a love that they have never been loved before, except by their mamas and their family and their new song family church. I know sometimes that it can get frustrating. Sometimes we don't see our, um, the product of what we've been pouring into. Sometimes we don't get to see that they've caught it, that they've grasped, grasped it. Sometimes we think they're never going to love Jesus. They're never going to hold on to him. What do we do then? We pray and pray and pray and pray. How many times do we pray? I don't know. We just keep praying that one day God will be able to capture their hearts in a way that that child will never, ever look back. Ask God to pursue them. Ask God to be after them and to bring people into their lives who will show them Jesus. Ask God to protect their immature faith from Satan's plans to destroy it. We see over and over again as we work with these kids, kids that were on fire for Jesus, walk away from him in their adult life. Ask God to protect that seed that he's planted in their hearts. Give them assurance of this faith that no matter what the world says, they will continue holding on. Ask God to give them godly friendships and godly adults who will join you in teaching them about Jesus. Pray for your children to have godly adult mentors pouring into their lives. And then we pass on the baton. We pass it on. <clears throat> have you ever seen a relay and the relay is won or lost by the time that baton is passed? Have y'all watched those? The fumbling of the baton and all that. When you go back to that verse, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. How's your baton being passed on? to the next generation. When we have our story written, may it be in the next generation love Jesus as much or more than our generation did. How are we passing it on? I say for all of us, it's our duty. Whether you're a kid yourself, you're passing it on as an older brother or sister, those of you who are the older siblings of children, 
your younger brother or sister are watching you, some of you will determine whether your sister or brother follows Jesus one day by your behavior. Are we passing it on? Do we pass it on as we're adults to our friends and to our family? Let's pray and ask God to use this family to change the world one generation at a time. Jesus, I thank you so much that you have called us to a beautiful task of sharing you to the next generation. Lord, help us to take this seriously, that we, yeah, that we speak about you and live like you want us to live and go about life in a way that people take notice, that our children see you so beautifully shining through our lives. Lord, I pray for our children to be protected, protected from Satan's plan to destroy this good news that you want to place in each of their lives. Lord, I thank you so much for our children in this church. Thank you for how they love us, and thank you for how this, the, our adults love them. So Lord, help use us to help them to know you. Use us to be a part of their walk with you. And Lord, we ask that you give us courage with our own families to speak up and to share you boldly, courageously, and faithfully. These things I pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. One more thing here. Uh, our friend, her, Olivia, is leaving us. So, yes, uh, this is hers and Eunice's last, is he even here? Is he here? He's sick, I'm sorry. It's her last Sunday with us. She says they will come back one day. But, um, yeah, let me just pray for them real quick before they're off and running from us. Jesus, I thank you so much for our sweet Olivia. Lord, I've known her since she was a little girl and have always seen your hand on her life. Lord, I thank you for how you have used her in our church family, for leading worship and loving and leading worship with our youth and loving our youth. Lord, thank you for just how you walk with this couple. And, Lord, as they go back, we just look forward to hearing stories of how you will use her and Eunice about busy about your things. Lord, guide them, give them the next steps of what you want them to be doing. And Lord, we look forward to the day that they come back to us. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. This is Rico Vecca, and I am also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.